on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we would have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio, 97.7, 100.1, What's up, Mohawk Valley? Now heard a 96.5 FM. Great to have you along for the ride today. Maybe you're listening on the ESPN app. That's a beautiful way to stay in touch with the show wherever you are, whatever you are doing the ESPN app. It's probably already on your phone. If it's not, you should add it. There's a listen tab there. You find us and off you go into the big, bold world. And we will be right by your side. We'll be your wingman, baby, right here on the ESPN app. So all great ways to listen to the show live. We do podcasts this show. If you want to listen sometime in the future on your time, that is a definite possibility. You can uh, get us via iTunes. Subscribe to ESPN Syracuse via iTunes, and off you go. Here's how I get in touch with the show today, 437-7644. That's the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We had a very active day on all three of those fronts yesterday. Would love to see that continue today. Good job out of you guys yesterday, and you're certainly welcome to join the conversation today. We have one guest who will join us somebody you hear from throughout the Syracuse basketball season, particularly on Thursdays on this show, and that is Jim Beheim, the head coach, presented by Ferron and Son Funeral Home. So we'll hear from the coach on Frank Howard and how he's trying to improve this Georgetown game should and will the rivalry continue, as we will discuss throughout most of the show today and so much more later in the show, our weekly chat with Jim Beheim. That's coming up. If you missed our chat with Dan Hunt, the head coach of the Colgate football squad on yesterday's show, or any interviews that we do, ESPNSyracuse.com. Look in the audio vault. That is a great way to stay in touch with the show. Again, we love it that you're here live, but you got things to do. You're off into the world. you got Christmas shopping going on, right? There's just a lot happening, but you still want to stay in touch with the show. ESPNSyracuse.com, another great way to do that. We'll do some hot takes as usual, including I don't get why people are lining up to criticize LeBron James. I just, <laughs> what are you doing? And some of these people are some of the biggest names in the history of the Lakers franchise. How many darn, I love football. You listen to this show, 
You know I love football. I love college football. I vote in the AP poll. I'm a Heisman voter. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, which sometimes makes me question my love for football. I love football, okay? You would think I'd be all for football all year long, anytime. We could do the Friday football show every week of the year, but it's every day now that somebody's saying, hey, we're going to start a football league. (laughs) I'm here to tell you. There's not enough football players to fill your football leagues. This is incredible. I'm not even talking about the XFL or the, what is it, the Allegiance of American Football. I'm even losing track of that. Now there's another league being started by former players. Like, when did this overflowing stock of professional football players enter the world, right? Like, look at the NFL. They can barely scratch out quarterbacks as it is. Are you going to tell me there's three more leagues out there? Who the heck should be playing in that thing? So uh, that will be discussed in hot takes as well later in the show. Uh, We just played the clip during Seth's update. Worth playing again here. There was a time and a place when I certainly wouldn't voluntarily play a clip from Patrick Ewing. But now that Patrick Ewing is the head coach at Georgetown, we kind of have to play it, right? Because now we're getting into full focus of Saturday's game at the Dome, which is the last of this series. People were very excited four years ago when it was announced that despite the the breakup of the Big East, that Syracuse and Georgetown would continue to play. And that made a lot of sense. That made a lot of people happy, particularly people like me that grew up in that rivalry, will always have a special place in their heart with that rivalry, even though Connecticut developed into one, and that dissipated. Now Duke kind of stands as the main toe-to-toe rival with Syracuse. In the short time they've been together in the ACC, they've already played two classic games, some competitive games. Duke's main rival will always be North Carolina. Syracuse has shot up the chart and become a very important game on that schedule. So now we're at this crossroads here where we're trying to decide if Syracuse-Georgetown needs to be played every year. Now here's what Patrick Ewing said about that. Definitely. I think it's good for both universities. We've had a lot of battles over the years when they were in the Big East. And I think it's good for both uh, universities to uh, to continue. It's beneficial for both schools in the sense of Syracuse loves to recruit that D.C., that DMV area, right? A number of players just in the last decade or so. But historically, you look at some great Syracuse players that have come out of that DMV area. They love to have an in there. Not that they couldn't recruit in that area if they didn't play Georgetown, in Washington, D.C. every other year. Played the ACC tournament, which occasionally is held in Washington, D.C. Played a number of teams that are within reasonable travel distance to Washington, D.C. So you can tell these players, right, that you will essentially have a home game if you come play at Syracuse, right? So it's beneficial from that standpoint. I think it's beneficial from Georgetown because Syracuse is still a draw. It's still a non-conference opponent that you add that adds a little beef because Georgetown, you know, I don't think it's fair to criticize Patrick Ewing in some ways because I get it. When you take over a program, you got to win games and you got to build up confidence and you got to be able to come into games like Saturday in non-conference play with a 7 and 1 record. That opening graphic when you 
start the game. It's Georgetown versus Syracuse, and of course, all the history will be there, and everybody will be thinking about it, and all the clips will be played. The referees, pure and simple, took the game away from us. Michael Graham, in front of 19,000 people, punched my player. They didn't have the guts to call it. And then they had the nerve to call about four other things to take the game away from my players. It's pure and simple. Georgetown's got a great basketball team, but today the best team did not win. Thank you. There's the chair. Man, the field house is officially closed. Right? Like, the memories certainly take you so far. But Patrick Ewing's got to be able to go to recruits now and say, play for me now in the future. Be what Georgetown basketball can be, not what it was. And when you come into this game and that record says 7-1, and one, I understand why you schedule the way that you do. But you still need some beef on that schedule. You need some good teams on that schedule. So if you are straddling the bubble come March, you can say, well, hey, look who we played. And, you know, nobody's hoping for this, certainly. But if Georgetown pulls off a win over a Syracuse, they can say, hey, we played them, we beat them. So it benefits both sides. Frankly, I don't know if I would have this opinion that I do, that Syracuse should continue to play Georgetown if Patrick Ewing wasn't there. It's funny how retro is in, right? And you laugh when you've gone through it. See, I I get a big kick out of my daughter, who's 12, experiencing things that I experienced as a kid the first time. I'll give you, it sounds like a dumb example, but we have a Rubik's Cube in our house that my daughter is playing with, and (laughs) I just get a kick out of it because, like, man, there was a time, like, Rubik's Cube was huge. Like, you would get that for Christmas, and you'd be happy you got that for Christmas. It was a thing. Like, whoever invented the Rubik's Cube was probably a millionaire, right? It came in. It was huge. It went away. And these things make comebacks. Nintendo. I'm, I'm going Christmas shopping today, and I'm like, you can buy the Nintendo, and it's like the digital version of the Nintendo I got. I'm like, I remember when I got my Nintendo. It was the greatest Christmas ever, right? And then I found out what my mother had to go through just to get that Nintendo and those games and what my father had to do just to get the games that I asked for. All I knew is Christmas morning, there it was, right? And now, you know, video games are still huge, but people want to play the retro Nintendo and the retro Atari and in kind of a modern way, right? And I can list many examples of this, why retro is cool. And I'm a fan of the show Stranger Things that takes place in the 1980s and kind of the retro feel of that. And, you know, there's many examples of this that I can go over. That's Syracuse Georgetown. I got to admit, one of the main reasons I want to see it continue is Jim Beheim's still at Syracuse and Patrick Ewing's still at, at Georgetown. If it was a new era, someone that was not named a Thompson or a Ewing and Georgetown was trying to completely turn the page from that era and start something new, I'm like, it's probably time to move on. And I felt like that was going to be the case when Syracuse played Georgetown in the Big East tournament in 2013. And Syracuse's stint in the Big East will last for one more night. It's Sean McDonough on the call on ESPN. Syracuse beats Georgetown. They eliminate Georgetown from that tournament. If you watched the ESPN 30 for 30 Requiem for the Big East, which was done by the same guy who did the OJ documentary, Ezra Edelman, it was amazing. And 
that documentary was amazing. And what they did, if you remember it, but if you didn't see it, was certainly they talked to all the coaches and all the players and went through the history and told the story, the amazing story of the Big East and how it was built and how it had to come down, like the rise and fall of the Big East and how they got fat and happy and tried to add football and, you know, things just went sideways. And, the you know, the Big East, did, you know, I mean, we, we've seen what happens now, Syracuse, and Pittsburgh, and some teams had to run off to the ACC, and other teams did not get lucky in the great conference wars. UConn still sitting there, and you know some like you know, a, I don't even know what to call it. You know, some purgatory that they're in right now. They didn't make it into one of the Power Five conferences. But the way that Ezra Edelman did that documentary was amazing because. The scene he kept coming back to was when they were breaking down the court after Syracuse-Georgetown. That game, the Big East tournament, the last true Big East tournament at the Garden. And man, did it make me sad. But I was like, this is a natural conclusion. You think it's over, you think it's done. But like I said, what's old is new again. I thought Star Wars was done once upon a time. And it has come back and they're going to keep doing that. So... While a certain generation gets it because they see how much it means to us that lived through it, it's harder for them to relate because every generation wants their own thing. As much as retro is cool, right? I didn't grow up listening to the Beatles, but I enjoy the Beatles. I didn't grow up listening to the Rolling Stones. As it happened, I came in later, but there are certain things that just span generations. And I'd like to think that Syracuse Georgetown can be one of those but you still need that connection to the past. I'm going to wonder if it will continue when Jim Beheim steps down, when Patrick Ewing, I don't know how long he's going to be there. I hope he's there for, you know, as long as he wants to be, but if and when Patrick Ewing takes another job or steps down or whatever the case may be, you still need an, that link to the past to keep it going. And we have living, breathing examples of that. So it is my hope that John Wildhack gets in touch with Georgetown. I don't know the name of their AD off the top of my head. That Jim Beheim and Patrick Ewing, who have spoken about this, and we'll ask Coach Beheim about it later. It doesn't feel like it's time to end it again. Last time they signed this deal, everybody was kind of under the understanding of, let's try this for a few more years and see what happens. And I think, I feel like they should keep going. But I don't know if I would feel that way if Patrick Ewing wasn't there. If there wasn't a direct link to the past, I don't know if I'd want to see it keep going. But it's hard not to play Georgetown when Patrick Ewing is the coach. I mean, how do you not do that? So we'll continue to talk about that. Would love your feedback on it at 437-7644. This game will not be easy for Syracuse. Rivalry games never are. A lot on that over the next couple of days. The memories will be stirred. And I think most people, we'll put out a poll and do all that, but I think most people are pretty much in agreement that, yeah, let's keep doing this. But the mechanics of it are harder than ever, which is something we'll get into coming up. Right now, we're going to get an update on the market. Joe, my man from Lee Baldwin and Company, is joining us here on ESPN Radio Syracuse. Now, uh, Joe, how'd things go today? Because the market was closed yesterday, and we got back at it, and earlier this week, it was a nightmare. What about today? How'd, how'd we do? Well, Today didn't start off too well, but we ended up uh, only down about 79 points on the Dow, which was great because we were down about almost 800 to begin with. Right. So, uh, That's a big we almost comeback. We continued right. that Tuesday slide. 
So what were the diamonds and dogs in a day where things kind of uh, evened out about 80 well, points over? Well, we got Amazon as the diamond of the day. They were up uh, $30.79 to 1699 And uh, Canada Goose is the dog, down 577 to $62.61. So those, those are those really warm coats, right? They are. They are. The Canada. Do you have? I don't know how the sales are going this so far. I was going to say, you'd think that uh, you know, warm coats in, in in certain parts of the country would be going well, but uh, apparently not. Right. Do yeah. you Do you have one, Joe? I do not. No? I do not. They're a little on the expensive. Yeah, side. my my wife's been circling getting one of those. So uh, mm-hmm. maybe maybe I, I don't know. Maybe if I tell her the stock is down, maybe she'll want to help. Or maybe you should get me one. We well, can help them out. It, Maybe they'll lower the prices if right. the stock keeps going down. That, right? That's what I'm thinking. That's maybe I, not, I would never root for somebody to have down days, but if they can continue to slide a little bit lower the prices, maybe that'll help Brent out because, you know. Thinking well, it about sounds getting, like a plan. Yeah, there you go. Then, and then the stock can go right back up after that. But just Yeah, after I buy it, then exactly. it'll be like I'm wearing a more expensive coat. See, everybody's, everybody's happy there. There you go. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, my man. All right. Take it easy. That's Joe from our friends at Lee Baldwin & Company. You can find them at LeeBaldwin.com. You can find them in Casanova and Utica. Just stop in. Get more diamonds than dogs on your portfolio. We will break on that note a little more on Syracuse and Georgetown. Coming up, hot takes on the way. We'll hear from Jim Beheim later in the show. Plenty to do. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Presented by Vertic Toyota. Great to have you here. It's Thursday. And don't forget, uh, you can hear Jim Beheim on this show, but uh, the Jim Beheim show tonight. It's at Carabas. Yeah, man. Head on out to Carabas tonight, hang with the coach, or you can listen on ESPN Radio AM 1200 over on Brostat TK99. Get all the latest insight. From coach Beheim tonight, 7 to 8 with Matt Park on the Jim Beheim show. Right now, we're uh, going to play a fancy open and give you some hot takes. Let's do it, baby. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. And it's brought to you by our friends at the Press Room Pub, the number one sports and entertainment venue in Central New York. Great place for holiday parties, just to hang out after work, to watch Syracuse-Georgetown on Saturday. If you're not heading up to the Carrier Dome, Thursday night football tonight, any of the big games, great spot, lots of great cold brews, terrific food, and just an awesome new spot downtown. The Press Room Pub used to literally be the Press of the newspaper back in the day. It's got that old school feel to it, but a great spot downtown. Get on down there, baby. I don't understand why people are lining up to criticize LeBron James, come at LeBron James in some way, shape, or form, but they are. And these are some of the biggest names in basketball. Okay, now some of this isn't criticism, but some of it is like, why are we even talking about Here's Magic Johnson. We don't have to have LeBron using the ball or having the ball in his hands all the time. And so you're right. We're trying to make sure that uh, we watch his minutes, but also um, that we don't run everything through him because now it is Cleveland all over again, and we don't want that. And and then, you know, 
we want to get up and down. So we feel that when we're at our best, Eddie, we're actually running. Now, I get what Magic is saying in one sense, and Magic Johnson has forgotten more basketball than I'll ever know, but, you know, that kind of worked in Cleveland because LeBron's just that much better. And you're telling me that he can't carry this team that way, and I get he's adjusting and he's not going to come right in and, and, and make them a contender right away, but he's LeBron James. He is one of the biggest freaks of nature in the history of sports at 33 years old, continuing to play at an elite level as the best player in the world. You know what I do if LeBron James is on my team like that? I don't say things like that. I just let him do his thing because it worked in Cleveland. The big complaint there was that there was never really a Robin to his Batman, and when they faced teams like the Warriors, things kind of ran out. But given where the Lakers have been before this, I would kind of let LeBron do whatever he wants. You signed him. You brought him in. Now you have to let him be the player that he is. Kobe Bryant saying, quote, it's a test of LeBron's patience and also doing what he needs to do to keep the team's head above water. It's a balancing attack. They were struggling. LeBron got the ball, took control, decided to start playing point, doing everything. That's not the recipe for winning championships by no means, but it's a recipe to keep your head above water, to give yourself a little breathing room, and now it's going back to teaching how to play the way we want to play. I understand that was in the East. This is the West, and you've got the Warriors and a lot of good teams that LeBron has to go through. But, see, it worked. What you were doing wasn't working. Why Kobe thinks it's going to be done the way he played and why even Magic thinks it's going to be done the way he played. We're talking about a lot of ego and a lot of basketball knowledge there. And this is a town that still is fiercely loyal to those two names I brought up, and they're getting used to LeBron. But there's a reason you brought in LeBron James, went all in on LeBron James. So my advice to you would be let him be LeBron James. I wanted to read one more quote here, and I don't know what happened here, but there was a time when Kevin Durant, remember he comes to that press conference and he's crying and, you know, you the real MVP, right? And he was talking about his mom and, like, he was the most likable person in the NBA. It's like a wrestling thing now. He's gone heel. I can't tell you how much I dislike Kevin Durant now. And it's been a slow, steady drip. But he, I don't get why he's so, and there's a difference between being honest and just being a jerk. And he's kind of leaning more the other way. Like Kevin Durant goes out of his way to let you know he doesn't care what you think about him. He's got opinions on everything. And he's just... Remember, he created the fake Twitter account to go after people. It's like, why are you so bitter? You should be like the happiest person alive. Here's what he said, quote, so much hype comes from being around LeBron from other people. He's got so many fanboys in the media. Even the beat writers fawn over him. I'm like, we're playing basketball over here, and it's not even about basketball at certain points. So I get why anyone wouldn't want to be in that environment because it's toxic, especially when the attention is BS attention. Fluff. It's not LeBron's fault at all. It's just the fact you have so many groupies in the media that love to hang on every word. Just get out of the way and let us play basketball. A lot of Kevin's angst comes from the media, and you're kind of digging your own grave there. And again, I like athletes that are honest, but what are you so bitter about? And I know that some people criticize Durant for certain things, but they were like, 
some local reporters. Like everybody recognizes how good he is. I never faulted him for going to Golden State because that's what players do these days now. He was not going to win a championship in Oklahoma City. He did everything he could to do it. So you go somewhere where you can win a title. You earn that. That's fine. But the NBA has never been more popular. And I think this is partly why. There is such a drama WWE aspect to this. Like you've got players changing around. The storylines change. The rivalries change. There's heels. There's, um, there, pardon my lack of wrestling lingo here, but, you know, there's the good guys, right? I mean, that's literally what they call them. Good guys and heels and storylines. And I don't know if you had a chance. I'm deep in the woods on this. But I think a lot of you listening out there have at least read or listened to some of this. If you heard the podcasts that Durant did with Bill Simmons and some of the other things that have been out there, like he just comes across as more and more unlikable. The more you listen to him talk and the way he just is so bitter about the media and he calls them blog boys and fanboys, and he he's clearly jealous of how LeBron gets treated by certain beat writers out there. Look. Our friend Dave McMenamin basically covers LeBron James for a living. Guys like Brian Windhorse and a lot of NBA writers have made their career following LeBron James. Much like many back in the day, like Ahmad Rashad and Sam Smith and certain people just kind of attached themselves to Michael Jordan and rode the wave. Because certain players like that get chronicled a certain way. And I think Durant is really bitter that... He's not getting the same kind of attention when he's That's hot. winning MVPs. He's on a championship team. He's the best player in the league, not named LeBron James. Some people think he's better than LeBron James. A lot of drama in the NBA. It, it fascinates me how certain people, you know, no, no matter how much they win, how much money they make, what kind of status they get, they're always bitter about something. It's They have to be driven by it. Sports is a fascinating place. Uh, I don't think this quite qualifies as how long can I take a take, but I'm good. we haven't done it for a while, so give me the thing. It's now time for how long can Brent take a take. Okay, so this is uh, Joe Beningo of WFAN, who uh, it's amazing Joe Beningo is still employed by WFAN, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. So apparently Joe kind of flipped out on a caller who said that Mike McCarthy is a bad coach, so... Let's start the clock. Here we go. How long can I take this take? Here it is. Makes me nuts. Here's a guy that's a top coach in the league, but he stinks. But he's not any good because he no, had Aaron Rodgers. He's no, not any good. No, that, I'm tired no, of hearing that crap because no, all I've had is garbage head coaches, Al, which no, you wouldn't know I... about. No, Al, you wouldn't know about that, Al. Yes, I do. No, no you don't, Al. No, many, you freaking don't. Games? No, you don't, Al. Look at the games that he has Al, you have no idea what a bad coach. Take that. Yeah, we made it about 23 seconds into it. Because I had no idea what was happening there. They're just yelling at each other and... You know, listen, I, I get it. I do this show. You got two hours of content every day you got to do. In Joe's case, I think they do a four-hour show. You can't possibly, cannot possibly be that upset about something that has nothing to do with New York sports. That old expression, you know, is that the hill you want to die on? Like, is that the hill you want to die on? Screaming at a radio caller because he thinks Mike McCarthy's a good coach or you think he's a bad coach or whatever the case may be. 
Like, there's just certain things in life I will go to the hill on, as you've heard on this show throughout the years. But why would a radio host in New York City be that fired up about Mike McCarthy? That's amazing to me. I mean, passion is one thing, but putting on a show is another. That's and, hot. I mean, that that's about as phony as it gets right there. I'm sorry. You can't possibly be that upset about somebody's belief about Mike McCarthy in New York City. That's incredible to me. Speaking of New York City, Odell Beckham Jr. Some interesting things to say. Uh, the playoffs certainly out of question for the New York football giants. So he's out to play spoiler. Quote, at this point, we can only focus on Washington there's no what if. We're going to go out to win. If our season is over, I'm making sure somebody else is coming home with us. That's the goal. As it sits now, the Giants have the seventh overall pick in the 2019 NFL draft, where they may or may not get to pick a quarterback in that spot, depending on which quarterbacks come out or don't come out. It's a heavy defensive tackle draft. I would highly advise the Giants to take a quarterback in that spot, whoever is there, but I don't run the team. Giants would need to win out. Dallas has to lose out along with additional losses from Philly and Washington to make the playoffs. They have a less than 1% chance, so you're telling me there's a chance, to make the postseason. Uh, Giants have won three of their last four games. As the Giant fan, Seth Goldberg storms into the studio, which is Seth's new way of kind of hinting that I have to take a break shortly. You do. But you, your timing is impeccable here as, as a Giants fan. So Odell Beckham Jr. says, if we're going down, we're taking some other teams with us. But they've yeah. won three out of the last four. Where the hell did that come from? Pat Shermer wanted to save his job? Could be. They beat the Bears last week. I understand Mitch Trubisky didn't play in that game. but Yeah, but not Landon Collins. Think, but look, Landon Collins just got hurt. He's out for the year. We're good. Just when you think, you know, the Giants are ready to just, I don't even. I, it's like the the Sopranos thing. Just when uh, they play, right? Who was it who made Dude, fun of it? In, not no, the no, no. They made fun of it in the Sopranos all the time, and they said it all the time because they were nice making save. fun of because yes. they were making fun of the Godfather yes. reference. But Thank they made you. but they yes. made fun of the fact that it was a thing in the Godfather, nice. and they no, it was as a nice save. No, it was though yeah, in the Sopranos. No, like right. they just made fun of it all the time. They did. Yes, that's when I thought I was. Yes. they pulled me back in. Right. <laughs> it was little Stephen who just made we fun of it every little time. Little Stephen yes. do that exactly. <laughs> yeah, nice saves. I was about to slap you because that was not. I know it's not from the Sopranos, but. I, I know it but from the But that's what it is. Just when you think the Giants are going to go like 3-13 and 13 and have the top pick, like they've won three of their last four. They have. A, that that division's a mess. Like if they just keep plugging away and winning. Like you're playing Mark Sanchez and the Redskins this week. Yeah, like they should win. They should win that game. The fact that they're still in the playoff conversation right now. You have to go now, back to the scene of the crime, the butt fumble. I don't know. what. The, yeah, that's right. Back in MetLife uh, <laughs> Stadium. There you go. We played that clip yesterday, that terrific uh, yes. press conference with Mark Sanchez, having to go back to that. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line's 288-0644. I wanted to keep you in here for this, too. What? Because this is, let me hit the thing here, and we'll do our last That's hot. bit of hot takes. Where are all these football leagues coming from? <laughs> this is know. amazing to me. So the XFL announced this week where their cities are going to be and that's great. We knew the XFL was coming back, and Vince McMahon says it's going to be real football this time. It's not going to be the wrestling show he tried to put on. He last sounds pretty time. boring, by the way. Yeah, Vince has lost a lot of his edge. I don't know what's going on with that. That's a terrific 30 for 30, by the way, on the XFL, which actually spawned the return of the XFL. Okay, so there's that. There's this allegiance of American football, which starts next season. The XFL doesn't even start till 2020. 
in the spring. That starts in, in, in like two months. Right. Yeah. In the spring of 2019, you've got CBS, CBS Sports Network is signed on. So you've got this league. Now there's a league where like TOs involved and I I I've, Ricky Williams, Ricky Terrell Williams Owens, is involved. Jeff Garcia, Simeon Rice. How many football players are out there to fill these leagues? Like I just said it two minutes ago, Seth. Mark Sanchez is playing quarterback in the NFL. Who's gonna play in all these other leagues? There is not enough quality professional level football players to fill out all these teams. There just isn't. Oh, you're right. There's indoor leagues like at a snarky answer, but it's I'll, amazing to me that these people keep starting football leagues. I get it in a way, in that football is the most popular sport in this country, but it's not really the sport; it's the National Football League that we obsess on and is popular. The sport is popular in a sense, but to me, it's more the NFL than football. Yes, there's absolutely. not enough players. I'm sorry. Forget, forget this is players. Gonna be, they, this is going to be a joke. There need to be enough good quarterbacks, and there aren't. That's there, the thing. There need to be enough good quarterbacks, and there just aren't. It will give a place to go for certain quarterbacks that people think can make the NFL but won't, which is good, I guess. But J- Josh Johnson, who just signed with the Redskins, to back up Mark Sanchez. I just said that. Josh Johnson, who hasn't played a down of football for five years, is backing up Mark Sanchez, is also going to play this Allegiance of American football. And I just got done reading a book about the old USFL, which had, and this is not politics, this is true, had Donald Trump not tanked that league, it actually might have lasted longer and been a viable competitor to the national football. Because they were willing to invest. Exactly. In the course of this conversation, three more leagues just popped up. It's I think incredible. so. Where are they all coming from? Is like Tio going to play in this league? I just played that clip of Beningo. I don't know why I'm so upset about this, but I'm truly baffled by it because there's just not enough players. All right, let's break. We'll talk some more Syracuse Georgetown coming up. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.